The halacha is that once Meisr Sheni produce has been brought into Yerushalayim, it can no longer be redeemed in Yerushalayim. That is on a Midoraisa level, according to the Torah. Now, Midrabonon, they took that a step further, and they said that once produce has been brought into Yerushalayim, it can't even be redeemed outside of Yerushalayim. And in order to prevent you from redeeming it outside of Yerushalayim, they decreed that as soon as it has been brought into Yerushalayim, it can never be brought out again. However, they only decreed this with regards to the Maishashini produce itself, but they did not decree anything with regards to the money, and therefore more Eastern classes Yerushalayim, Maishashini man can be brought into Yerushalayim, and the Yetzis can even be brought out of Yerushalayim after it has been brought in. Ufeyos, however, when it comes to the produce of Maishashini Nechnosin, the Inon Yetzin, they can come into Yerushalayim, but once they've been brought in, they can no longer be brought out. Now, according to Shimon Gamliel, although the Rabbonon decreed that the produce cannot be redeemed outside of Yerushalayim, they did not decree that you can't bring it outside of Yerushalayim. And therefore, Shimon Gamliel says, Even when it comes to produce, they can be brought into Yerushalayim and brought out once more. However, he does agree that once they've been brought out, they still can't be redeemed. And in fact, the Yerushalmi explains the only reason why Shimon Gamliel allows you to take them out of Yerushalayim is because it was much easier to process the Maishashini produce outside of Yerushalayim. For example, if you wanted to bake bread, there were many more places outside of Yerushalayim to do that. So in order to do that, you can bring it outside of Yerushalayim. But you would not be able to redeem it onto money, even according to Mishnah Ben Gamliel, once it has been brought into Yerushalayim once. Mishnah Vov, the following Mishnah is based on the rule that That in certain situations, produce which has not yet been tithed is viewed as if it has been tithed and all the various gifts have been separated already. Now before we see the Mishnah inside, we need to know something which we learned in Mesechus Maestras, and that is that produce only becomes obligated in the Maestras and various tithes after it has reached its stage of Gemar Malacha which is the final stage in the processing of that produce. And so the Mishnah says that Malachton, produce which had reached its stage of Gmar Malacha, and for each type of produce that is a different stage, but the point is that produce is now obligated in Maestras. So until you separate the tithes, it is considered Tevel, untithed produce which is forbidden to eat. So the Mishnah says that if such produce for Yerushalayim, if that produce was passed through Yerushalayim, and then he took it out of Yerushalayim, and only then did he separate the tithes. Says the Mishnah, once you separated Maishashini, and you want to bring it up to Yerushalayim, you need to bring back that specific Maishashini, and eat that Maishashini in Yerushalayim, and you are not allowed to redeem it first. Why? Because we learned in the previous Mishnah that as soon as Maishashini produce has been brought into Yerushalayim, it can't be redeemed again. So although the Maishashini hadn't been separated when it was brought into Yerushalayim, we apply the rule of that we view the tether as if it was already split into its various tithes, and so we view it as if the Maishashini within that tether was brought into Yerushalayim. And therefore, you will never be able to redeem that again, and you'll have to bring out the produce itself to Yerushalayim. Now, says the Mishnah, what happens if Vishalonig Mamalachton? If when the produce was brought into Yerushalayim, that produce had not yet reached its Gemai Malacha, which means that it was not yet obligated in the Trimus and Maestras. For example, Sayanovim Lagas, baskets of grapes which are designated to go to the wine press. So before they've gone to the wine press, they're considered unprocessed yet. So they have not yet reached the Gemai Malacha stage, the end of their processing. 
baskets of figs where the figs are set aside to be dried. So before they've been dried, they're not yet obligated in Maestras. Says the Mishnah, according to Shammai, it makes no difference. At the end of the day, the produce was brought to Yerushalayim. And even in that situation where it's not yet obligated in Maestras, we still apply the rule of that we view it as if the tithes have already been separated out. And because of that, just like in the previous case, he's got to bring back the Maishini produce and eat it in Yerushalayim, and he cannot redeem it. However, with Solomon Beis Hillel say that we only apply that rule if it was obligated in Maestras. So the Maestras could have been separated, and so even if you didn't actually do it, we view it as if it was already done. But in a situation where it wasn't even obligated in Maestras yet, then we do not apply the rule of Matonis Shalehumu Kamisha Humu Domyan. And because of that, according to Beis Hillel, the fruit can be redeemed and it can be eaten anywhere, and then you'll just bring up the Maestrasheni money to Yerushalayim and spend that money on food. And of course, that food will become Maestrasheni. So up until now in the Mishnah, we've had one version of the Machlaikas. Namely, the Beis Shammai and Beis Hill agree that in a case where the produce was already obligated in Maestras, we do apply this rule. But if they weren't yet obligated in Maestras, then there's a Machlaikas. Now we're now going to see a slightly different version of the Mishnah, and that is Rishim ben Yehuda and Rishim ben Yehuda. Rishim ben Yehuda said in the name of Rabbi Yehuda a slightly different version. did not argue about produce which had not yet reached their Gemara Melacha stage, so they weren't yet obligated in Maestras, because they both agreed that in that case, that their Maestrasheni can be redeemed onto money and will be able to eat the produce in any place because it will be chulin. Because says Rishim ben Yehuda, since the tithes can't even be separated then, even if he wanted to, we're not going to apply the rule that we view it as if it was separated, because they can't yet be separated. And about what case do they argue? Their argument is in a case where the fruit had reached their Gemara Melacha. You've got to bring back the Maishini itself, the produce itself, and eat that in Yerushalayim. Because we apply the rule of However, the fruit can be redeemed and eaten anywhere. So according to this version, Beis Hillel do not at all use this rule of Now the Mishnah ends off with a exception to all of this, and that is with regards to Demai. Demai is produce from which it is uncertain whether the Trumas and Maestras, the various tithes, have been separated from that produce. And with Rabbonon, one needs to separate the tithes again. So what happens if somebody brings the my produce into Yerushalayim before the tithes have been separated again from there? So since anyway the whole obligation to tithe the is only with Rabbonon, in this case where you bring the Demai in before you even separated the Maishasheni, we don't apply the rule of Matonishalahumu Kamishahumu Domyun. Even according to Beishamai, and therefore we have the Mai when it comes to the Mai produce, Nichnas, it can be brought into Rishlan, Vyotse, and then brought out, Vanifte, and it can be redeemed afterwards, and this is one leniency which applies to the Mai. Now the truth is, if you were to separate the Maishasheni from the Demai, and then bring the Maishasheni into Rishalayim, then you wouldn't be able to take it out. We're only discussing where he took the, Mais- the Demai into Yerushalayim before separating the Maishasheni, so in that case we don't apply the rule of Matonishilahumu Kamishahumu Domyun, and so he can still redeem it, and then eat the produce anywhere and just bring the money up to Yerushalayim. Mishnah Zayin, what exactly are considered to be the borders of Yerushalayim? For example, if you have Ilon Shu'emim a tree whose trunk is standing inside of Yerushalayim, but Venotel its branches and leaves lean outside of Yerushalayim. 
over the wall, or if it was standing outside of Yerushalayim, its branches lean into Yerushalayim. Now the truth is, in the previous Masechta, in Masechus Maestras, this was a discussion, and the Mishnah ruled over there, at least according to the way we explained it, that in general we go after the trunk where it's planted, but there are certain cases where we do also go after the branches, and that is in a case where it would lead to astringency. For example, if it was planted outside of Yerushalayim and the branches leaned into Yerushalayim, so if Maishashenu was brought onto the branches, it would not be able to be redeemed, because we would consider it to be in Yerushalayim with regards to that. However, at the same time, you would not be able to eat, it, eat the Maishashenu, because we would not consider it to be Yerushalayim with regards to that, so we're only stringent in that case. So that's what the Mishnah ruled in Maseches Maestras, that we go after the trunk, but if you are on the branches, then we are strict, and we say that you cannot eat the Maishashenu there, because we don't consider it to be Yerushalayim, but at the same time, once it's been brought there, it can't be redeemed, because in that sense, we do view it as Yerushalayim, because we are stringent. Now over here, the Mishnah seems to contradict that, because it says that any part of the tree in line with the wall and inwards is viewed as being in Yerushalayim, whereas all parts of the tree which are along the wall and outwards are viewed as being outside of Yerushalayim. So each part of the tree is considered significant, none is considered secondary to the trunk, for example. It just depends exactly where you are, where the tree is, which part of the tree is within Yerushalayim. So at first glance, this does seem to contradict that mission over there. And the Gemara and the Mephoshim try to understand how to resolve this contradiction. And the simplest way to understand it is that it is a machlokes between the Mishnahis. That that Mishnah represents the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, whereas our Mishnah represents the opinion of the Chachomim. And that is a simple way to resolve the contradiction. Continues the Mishnah with a similar case. Bote Abadim. Olive presses, and in those days many olive presses were built within a wall. So part of the olive press was within the wall, within that city, and part of it was outside. So in a situation in which the entrance to the olive press was inside of Yerushalayim, but the inside of the olive press and the main body, the main building of the olive press, was actually outside of Yerushalayim. Or if it was other way around, or if their entrance was outside of Yerushalayim, outside of the wall, and the inside, the main building, was within Yerushalayim. So in this case, Beishamim and Beishamai say that it's not the same as the previous case. Rather, Hakol Kalifnim, the entire olive press is viewed as being inside of Yerushalayim. And the Mephoshim explained that this is only in a case where it leads to astringency. So again, wherever you are, wherever the produce is in the olive press, whether it's by the entrance or in the inside of the building, you wouldn't be able to eat it. But at the same time, you wouldn't be able to redeem it again, because we are stringent either way. So on the one hand, we view it inside Yerushalayim, so you can't redeem it. On the other hand, we view it outside of Yerushalayim, and so you cannot eat it. And the reason why this case is slightly different to the previous case of Kuntubay Shammai is because the entranceway is only in order to get to the inside. So whereas in the tree, you could argue that the branches are considered a separate part to the trunk, when it comes to the entrance of a building, the whole function is in order to get into the building of the olive press. And so we view the entire thing as one, not as two distinct parts. However, we still say that we can still view it as two different parts, and therefore we split the olive press exactly where the wall is, and along the wall inwards is viewed as being inside of Yerushalayim, and going outwards from the wall, that is viewed as being outside of Yerushalayim. Mishnaches. On a similar note, with regards to the walls of the Beit HaMikdosh, or to be more specific, the Azara, which was the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdosh, 
And the way the base of was built is that it was on a mountain, Harabais. So the area of the mountain itself, which wasn't the base Hamikdash, does have Kedusha, but not as much Kedusha as the base Hamikdash itself. So for example, Kodshe Kodoshim, which are very high-level Karbonus, they can only be eaten within the base Hamikdash itself, within the Azara. And there's a very severe punishment of Kores, which is one of the worst punishments, which possibly the person would die early. That punishment is given to somebody who enters the base Hamikdash, the Azora, while he is Tomei. But if he only enters the Harabayas, then he is not considered Chayv Kores. He wouldn't get that punishment. So there are a number of differences between the Azara and Harabayas. So what happens if Halashochis, if there are chambers in the base Hamikdash, rooms which were in the Azara, but Benuis Bakoidesh, the actual rooms were built in the Azara. However, with Suchis Lachol, they opened up to the less holy place, i.e. the Harabayas. Says the Mishnah, since you walk into the chamber from Harabayas, and as you walk in, you're not yet in the Azara, we consider the entire room to have the status of Harabayas, and therefore Teichon Chol, the inside of the room, of the chamber is considered to be on the less holy status, the less holy level of the Harabayas. On the other hand, the Gagui Sehen, the roofs of the chambers, Kodesh would be considered to have that higher level of holiness of the Azara. The reason being that since the base Hamikdash was built on a hill, it would come out that these chambers, the roofs of these chambers would be in line with the floor of the Azara. Which means that although in general roofs are just considered to be secondary to the room itself, in this situation, since they are level with the Azara's floor, they have the same status as the Azara, and therefore the Gagasei and Kodesh, their roofs have the highest status of the Azara itself. On the other hand, if they are built, the actual rooms are in the less holy part of the Harabayas, whereas the entrances are in the Azara itself. So in that case, the inside, the actual rooms are considered to be holy like the Azara, because that's where you enter in from, the Gagasei and whereas their rooms will be considered to be of lesser holiness, like the Harabayas, because in this case the roofs are not even in the Beis HaMikdosh. So we don't consider them to be the same as the floor of the Beis HaMikdosh, because the roof is totally outside of the Azara. So the Gagasei and Chol, their roof will be considered less holy like the Harabayas. Now the Mephrashim note that this case, this last case, where the chambers were built outside of the Beis HaMikdosh, outside of the Azara, but you entered them from the Azara, that actually never existed. It's a theoretical case where if they were to do this, then this would be the halacha, but actually it's forbidden to build it like that, and so that part of the Mishnah is quite theoretical rather than actually being a practical halacha. Now what happens, says the Mishnah, if Benuiz Bakodesh of Achol, if the chambers were built partly in the Azara but partly outside of the Azara, and if Asuchah is Bakodesh of Achol, it opened up to two different places, and one of the entrances was from the Azara, and the other was from Harabayas. And this actually was the case with a specific chamber, called the base Hamokade, where there was a fire burning, and the Karnin would actually sleep in that chamber. Now they were only allowed to sleep in the area which was not in the Azara itself. So what is the status of the chambers? So the Mishnah says, Both inside and on the roofs of, these, of this chamber, from the area in line with the Azara, the holy part, and inwards towards the Azara, that is Rudus the Azara, but from the area which is in line with the edge of the Azara and outwards, that would be viewed as the Harabayas. And therefore, Karnim could only sleep in half of that chamber. And the mission in Midos records that there were beams in that room which indicated where that, 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 that area started, so that Karnim would only sleep in the outer part of this room, but not in the Azara part itself. By the way, it should be noted 
that some of the differences between all these cases of Yerushalayim and the Beis HaMikdash, and why sometimes we consider all of it to be part of Yerushalayim, sometimes not all of it. A couple of these differences are also learned from Pesukim, and that's how we know whether the rooms or the various structures in the walls should be split or not split.